Welcome to Men Talk, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of miscarriage, infertility, infant loss, and stillbirth. Hosted by Daniel Landau, founder of menshelpline.org, we'll be sitting down every week with real guys to discuss their stories, struggles, and triumphs. So grab a drink, sit tight, and let's talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting episode of the Men Talk podcast, where men talk about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. On today's episode, we have a very special guest who hails all the way from Australia. His name is John Summers, also known as Infertility Man. John, the floor is yours. Feel free to introduce yourself, share your story with us, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me having me for this chat. Um, oh, our experience with infertility, it started, it started about five years ago when I met Laura. Prior to that, I'd had cancer and created this lovely little story that uh, I couldn't have kids, which was great because I was single and it was fine. But uh, I met Laura and uh, I think it was our first date. She was talking about kids. She asked, do you like, do you want kids? And I, 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 I replied, I said, I'd, I'd love kids, but I can't have them. And she sort of looked at me and a little confused. And she just said, is that true? And I tell you, if there was any question in the world that could tip you on your head, that one really just, it basically sent me right back to that day when I was diagnosed and the doc talking to the doctors and that story that I'd created. I'd, I'd even made up that the doctor had told me that I couldn't have kids. But now that I know know what I know, the doc, being a really good doctor that he is, he probably said you're going to have to look at other ways to get pregnant. And and I guess at the time too, they didn't really think about taking any sperm because I was young, I was healthy, I was uh, early 30s. Um, little did we know that I'd had some hormonal issues all the way through. So I ended up losing a testicle and had a broken testicle as well. So it just wasn't a really good place. It wasn't a really good place for for manufacturing sperm, as we found out. So anyway, Laura Laura asked me that, is it true? And uh, that sent me off on a, on a bit of a journey um, of finding out where I was at with regards to that infertility and actually getting a bit of a baseline. So I found a doctor. I, I went and did the tests. Yep. Definitely no sperm. So that was, that was literally the first semen analysis, first few semen analysis, no sperm. All right. We have to go digging a little further. So I go and find some doctors and, and we actually ended up doing this procedure called a fine needle aspiration. And it was actually around this time that I actually asked Laura into the equation. I said, Hey, I'm going to go for this procedure. Do you want to, do you, do you want to come? This is literally months into our courting, by the way. And, uh, she came along and, and they put the needle in once and then they took it out, looked at the microscope and they didn't find, find anything. They did the same thing again, another pass. And then the doc asked me, do you want to do it one more time? And I just sort of looked at Laura and I said, well, while in Rome. And he sort of looked at me and just went, oh, I couldn't do this. And I'm like, that is not really what I want to hear from my doc. 
But anyway, he put the needle in and we ended up finding, which might be bizarre to a lot of people, but we found one sperm. One sperm, it wasn't swimming. It was probably at the pub. It wasn't doing, it wasn't doing much at all, but there was one. And for Laura and I, that I guess kept us in the game. It, it still gave us that little bit of hope that where there was one, there's got to be more of them, even if the testy is broken. <laughs> and, uh, I tell you from there, it was, it was such a whirlwind. And because of our diagnosis, we ended up hiring some doctors, firing some doctors. Because if I actually look back at that first cycle we signed up for with the, with one of our last doctors, um, if we had have actually, or if that doctor had have persisted with, with Laura's, um, egg retrieval and then my micro tesi procedure, we wouldn't be here today because, because Laura did not respond well to the medications, which is something we've learned. But if I had have had my micro tesi procedure and found sperm but had no eggs, we would have frozen and killed half the sperm and it would not have been, it would not have been a good outcome. So anyway, I think the power in that was we hired some doctors, we, we fired some doctors and, and we ended up, we basically ended up with, with two of the best, well, that, that we could have found. Um, Laura, her fertility specialist and, um, and Dr. Katz, my urologist. Um, he's at the forefront of men's, men's, um, health and, um, fertility. So he was, uh, he was basically, don't worry about biopsies. His, his little tagline, I still remember in one of the, in one of the, um, meetings we had, he said, John, don't let anyone touch that testicle. <laughs> and I'm just like, Wow. But anyway, he, he said my only procedure was the micro tesi procedure. Um, and that procedure is under the microscope. They go in, they slice open your, your, your testy and they actually take the tubules out and they're looking for areas of your testy, which are still producing sperm. So Laura, Laura starts, uh, egg retrievals and she realizes, Oh, we're only getting one egg. Two eggs, three eggs if we're lucky. And, uh, we were told probably a good idea to have about 20 eggs for me to do my micro tesi procedure in the hope that we find sperm, we put them together and we might end up with a couple of embryos. Nine cycles later, we had 31 eggs. And I was go. I literally got the last procedure for my uh, micro tesi um, done. I was I filled the last slot before COVID shut down the the operating. And uh, I woke up from that procedure, and I had a little bit of paper with this rude little tadpole, like this big head with a with a smile on it, and it just said, "We found some." And literally what I found out was they found 31 moving sperm, like shaking, whatever they're doing. And 
he he actually found them really early in the procedure and he sewed me up. So my next thing that I had to deal with while I'm in this drug induced stupor was I had to deal with the fact that I have to do it again because he goes, John, you can do this again because we actually didn't go to town on, on your testy defiance, but to find them, we managed to find what we needed. So anyway, out of those 31 eggs, we ended up with one embryo and, and two, two that could freeze. They hadn't, they hadn't really progressed, but they, they were able to be freezed. And maybe if they thaw, they may progress. We, I still remember the moment when Laura realized she had to do more egg retrievals, um, for that second micro teasing. And the reason why we chose that instead of transferring was because my, my hormones were in my boots. My testosterone was in my boots. My, and, what would have, what potentially could have happened was we transfer and if we did get pregnant, then two years down the line, I'm having a micro again. So I've got two years where my hormones are bottoming out. So we decided that Laura would get back in the trenches. We'd get some more eggs. We had a lot of data now as to which protocol was going to work best for her. And yeah, that second, that second, um, micro tesi, we ended up with, we used a fresh eggs and fresh sperm. And that ended up being young Adeline. And, and we've got some, we've got untested embryos and some, and a couple of tested embryos. Um, that is definitely the abridged version and there's a, there's a lot to unpack in there. So maybe, maybe if you throw some questions, it might actually direct to different parts. Um, I think the biggest, biggest thing we learned is, is the support team you choose has to be very specific to your situation, your peer group, however you want to call it. You know, we, we called it our baby making support team and, um, and it was just, it was just about being very selective in the people you bring into your circle. Because as we were saying before, Daniel, people say some stupid stuff. And, and whilst they don't, they don't have any intent to harm, that stuff cuts deep. And, uh, and it's really, it's, it's really hard to, to come back and, and Laura's from a big family too. So we even decided to actually pull away from some, some of the people. And, and it's actually one of the funniest thing we found is you really are blown away by where the actual support comes from. Cause it's not where you expect it sometimes. Uh, and I, th- I think we, we've, we've actually met some fantastic people. And really, if we weren't in this, whirlwind we would never have bumped into in our in our lives at any time it really is crazy how whirlwind you never know when you're starting this journey what the process is who you're going to bump into how you're going to impact them how you're going to help someone else through it because this is a club it's not a club you necessarily want to be in but we call it the man man fertility exclusive club to deal with we pay a lot to be in here 
<laughs> what is it? Yeah. There's financial costs, obviously, and there's other costs as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I'm not super familiar with Australia. Yeah. How does it, how does the fertility process work in Australia? Is it socialized medicine free? I know you said you hired some doctors, you fired some doctors, you hired some new ones. Like what, yeah. what's the process like in Australia? There's actually a lot of a lot of clinics, IVF clinics, um, dotted around each of the states in Australia, and de- depending on where you are, um, you 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 can pretty much choose whichever one, and they they vary in price. I, f- I feel like I feel like our, our and they obviously vary in service as well. Um, I feel like. The doc we have is attempting to shake the tree a little bit because it's such an exclusive club. I feel like I feel like they they feel they have a a, a monopoly on on the price and they can actually work it however they want it. And uh, I don't think that's very fair. Um, and maybe you received um, messages as well, but we've had messages from people just going. Oh, why are you so selfish? Why, why are you bringing more children into the world? And why are you getting? And I, I'm not entirely sure how that is helpful, but um, it's an interesting tact. Like, why shouldn't we have available to us the chance to experience have children? And, um, it's a, yeah, I digress a bit there, but, um, no, it's a hundred percent true. What you're saying is that there should be opportunity, regardless where you are in the world, where people should be able to have children. There's no reason why fertility treatment should be upwards of thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you're not successful, you can't do it again. It's a fundamental right. Like people are, I don't understand why people say, oh, you shouldn't have children. Should you look into adoption and surrogacy is so expensive? Like there's gotta be something out there. I don't know what technology is going to come up. There's already AI and there's all these crazy things assisting fertility that there's gotta be something soon. Hopefully that'll, that'll diffuse the cost and be able to help people through it. And I, and I think also one of the key components to that is education. I don't think people really understand what it doesn't mean to have zero sperm. What does it mean if a woman yeah. is having trouble getting pregnant and going through this? I, really, IVF in particular is not really talked about that much. Unless you're in it, you, I, I never really would have even understood what IVF was. I mean, I knew it existed, but if I didn't go through the process... It was something everyone else did. Right. <laughs> I remember, you know, I'm sure you had to give sperm samples and you went through a lot. I, I, I can't imagine, you know, having a needle drawn, but men do. Um, <laughs> that's just painful. Like, I, like, I'm cringy just thinking about it, but I know it's possibly your legs just thinking about it. <laughs> but that's, again, part of the process. Like, I'm just thinking, Back to the time I gave my first sperm sample, like, what do guys even think going into that? Like, who am I as a man? What am I, what am I doing? Of course I have sperm. And then when you get that result, like, there's no sperm here. It's like that, oh shit, now what moment? Like, 
what what the heck do I do? Like, am I less of a man? Like, I'm supposed to. What do, what do you mean? And that having to figure out how to deal with that challenge as well. I mean, you went through. Sounds like you went through a ton, and then Laura also <laughs> to get the yeah. thirty one eggs. I mean, nine times. A heck of a lot. So we went through fifteen. Wow. 15. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting you you say that. I think I think. Again, we talked about it. If you're not in it, you can't understand it. And it's, I think our, our, our whole platform was about just, just improving the awareness and giving people some idea of, of what it takes when you're in infertility. And literally the uncertainty is off the charts. Absolutely off the charts. You literally have, we are throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick. At every, and I'm talking about the doctors too. They are literally hoping this stuff works. Oh, we'll do this. We'll turn this dial up on this hormone and we'll turn that one down and we'll, we'll wait two more hours and we'll give you a bit more of this and we'll take a bit more of that. And you're like, holy cow, this is real. There's science to it, but it's like far out. It's also sometimes like playing a game of poker. You got to roll the dice of being, you know, you're taking a gamble. You don't know if it's going to work, what's going to happen. That's right. That's right. But, and I think when you get to the people that you're talking to as well, we, we ended up finding, um, out of uh, a bit of an idea of how to actually cope with certain conversations. Like when you've got a fertility mindset, there's a, we, we worked out that there's about seven mindsets and they range from, Mindset one, where you can get pregnant naturally. And then you go right out the other end, let's say mindset seven, and that's surrogacy. Now, along the way, you've got adoption and fostering and, and then mindset twos is, is, is infertility treatment. But the, one of the things that Laura and I found when we were actually conversing and having, if we were having disagreements, it was because we were in different mindsets. So it wasn't until we'd actually, and I'd given up the idea of, which was, I'd done long before her, but giving up the idea that I was going to conceive naturally and moving on to a fertility treatment. And then we're both in the same mindset and we could actually move forward together. So it's an interesting one that in relationships, if they're actually having, and partners, support people, when there's, and when there's people or there's disagreements, it can come down to the fact that you're actually in a different mindset and if a guy hasn't dropped the idea that low sperm or no sperm is is an identity as a man right he can't he can't progress from mindset one even though his his partner might be in mindset two so he needs to actually be able to move out of that mindset where he goes right okay i've got no sperm what do we do next what can we do next how can i get more uh, or be part of this fertility treatment process. And what what you said is so important too, because even if you're in, in, in different worlds here, the amount of communication it takes from one spouse to the other throughout this journey is incredible because if you don't have that open communication or, or that sense of humor, or whatever you need through it, you're not going to get through it. I hear too many cases of, divorce and of uh, uh, 
drug abuse and so many different of these things that come up through it because of that line of communication and no resource. Yeah, yeah. The baby making meetup saved us too, Daniel. And that was because Laura could speak about this stuff from morning until twice a day, morning till night and then night until morning. And I tell you, I was overwhelmed. I was just, I felt like I was being nagged. And um I think what we ended up working out was how about we schedule, like anything else, we scheduled this podcast, even though we stuffed up the time, we, we got there in the end. We, um, we, um, we scheduled time aside to talk about fertility and infertility, our next steps. And we actually even created a, a, a shared folder on, on the fun, on the phones, on notes, where we'd actually drop the questions in there as we, as we thought about them so that the other could see them and we could see them. And by the time we actually got to the scheduled baby making meter, we were actually ahead of the game and we could actually talk about it, turn the phones off and, and really dig in. That helped us. Yeah. By the way, if we run out of time, I'm going to send you a new link. Yeah. So this way we don't lose each other. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to send you that now. Yeah. I just sent you another one. Um, but you're, you're 100% right. If you don't set that, if you don't set that, that time for those conversations yeah. or those networks, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. You're not necessarily going to be successful because it's all that extra stress. In this process, yep. you just can't imagine, you know, you're sticking yourself with a needle, you're going through an egg retrieval, you're going under sedation to, to retrieve those eggs, then you're a two week wait. Like that's only going to make it much worse. You might not get as good as results if you're super stressed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think if you can, if you can trust your partner to, to not add to the stress, and and you know that there's certain periods. I know as a man, I didn't feel as overwhelmed, and I didn't feel nagged at all. And um, I think that was that was a that was a big step forward for us, and we achieved so much more. So I want to actually shift shift the conversation a little bit um, to talking about how infertility man. And, uh, your relationship with, with Laura and your social media posting and how you're helping others through it in your yeah. new book. It does a little bit about, I guess, your book, what, what the goal of the book is, how that came about, the journey behind that yeah. and your social yeah. media. Cause you're a social yeah. media genius. Like everybody's <laughs> following you. You're getting. <laughs> well, I definitely cannot take credit for that. I have to give credit where credit's due and, uh, and I, I feel Laura and I are infertility man because she, the smart she has behind the scenes is, uh, yeah, it would have, for one, it would have been a very short book if I, if I had been in charge of it. But, uh, I think, I think we started this process. We started sharing purely because I couldn't find any resources for myself. Um, I was, but we were just about to start our journey. I went looking for resources and I, I really couldn't find anything that, that, that wasn't therapy. Um, and the things that were there, they didn't really offer anything of any real substance 
So I guess Laura and I, it would have been a year or so into our, into our, um, our journey that she, she said, why don't, why don't we share? Do you want to share? And I was sort of apprehensive, but we, we sort of got into it. We started, we started sharing. And I kind of feel we got better at it. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But um, the the we wanted to create a resource, a helpful resource, and using our experiences, we hoped that we could um, share and give share tools that were going to help um, not only men. Like we say it's infertility, man, and and the actual book that we've written is the man's guide to infertility, but it's actually for, for any man in infertility. Now, whether that's, whether they're the reason they're in infertility or they're actually there as a supportive partner for their partner, as a support for their partner on the journey. Um, and we've, we've basically, I think we've basically collected so much information. We've even spoken to 30 plus guys. We've, we've got doctors involved. We've got lawyers involved and they've all offered their parts from their specialist, specialized areas. And, um, it's, it's, we're really proud of, of what we've created and, um, and the actual stories from the other guys, it sort of consolidates, um, what we've been through, but what so many other people are going through. There's millions around the world coming into infertility, and some have been lucky, some haven't, and there's obviously a, a whole host going out the other side. So I guess as a motivation for us, we we wanted to create something that was timeless and was going to be able to be used by by those in the trenches, sitting at the start of the trenches and even at the other end, or for those that aren't anywhere near the trenches, but they know people that are, that are in there. Um, Because information is king. I know on our journey, information has been, we've just collected it at every turn, cycle one, we, we, like our book, we thought we were going to write our book in six months. It's a bit like our IVF journey. We thought we were going to do one cycle and we were going to get pregnant. And that was that. It definitely did not happen. The book is, geez, we're long suffering writers, but we ended up putting together this thing. Aren't, aren't we all? It's been a, it's a tough gig. I don't know how people do it. Um, but we are proud of what we've created and, and we really believe that, like yourself, Daniel, we, uh, the, I think you'll feel our heart. It, it is about providing support. It is about providing a resource. And um, and we're always up for getting a private message. Or And like yourself, we've, we've got a group um, where, God, I don't know about you, mate, it's bloody hard to get blokes talking about anything most of the time. But it is a beautiful thing when you actually see someone just get to that point. And it's funny, guys just need to get to this point and then they'll share the world. But then you just see the, the chat light up with all the support and, and yeah. So how do we get guys to get to that point? It's, uh, oh wow. That is, that is, that is an interesting one. I think 
one of the biggest issues with with men, I believe, is our ego. And um, if we can if we can move through these stages faster, if we can leave our ego at the door and actually think about the outcome um, that we want, and if the outcome is a family with one or two or, or, or whatever, however it looks, if that is your outcome, then really for anything, for anyone, you would do absolutely anything to get to that outcome. And if that means leaving your ego at the door and going, okay, I'm having some issues with my sperm. Maybe I need to talk to some fellas who have been there. Maybe I need to talk to maybe some people close to me. And I hate to say it, you may be disappointed if you actually choose that route. But that has to be okay because your purpose is about sharing your journey and then finding the pieces you need. Wherever they come from, it's, they come from, the answers come from the most weird places. Sometimes someone will say, Oh, so and so, so and so said that. And I went, Oh, that's a great idea. Maybe, maybe that might work for us. And, um, it's all been done before, Daniel. Like we're not, we're not rewriting the rule book, but by openly sharing about it and talking about it, we're actually able to give ourselves an opportunity to learn something and uh, probably just remove the lead weights that we put around our feet. So true. I also think people need to realize that the statistics are high, right? One in eight couples, this is in the United States, I'm not sure what it is in Australia, but in the U.S., one out of every eight couples goes through infertility. So what that means is that you might not necessarily know it, but the all likelihood is someone to your left, someone to your right is going through it. And yeah. you shouldn't be ashamed or afraid to approach them and say, hey, you going through this? What's that like? And to learn about it so you can help others through it. Because the more we talk about it, the more we educate people about it, the more open conversations we have, the better you will feel, the better you'll be able to communicate about it and and, and, and potentially help yourself through, through the journey. You never know where you're going to meet someone. I honestly think education is so key and it needs to be talked upon from elementary school. Like they yeah. do all these health ed, yeah. sex ed classes, yeah. but nobody ever speaks about IVF, miscarriage. No. Everything's pretty, oh, you're just going to get pregnant. Right. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the, there's so many things along the way on people's journeys yeah. that is just not talked about. The more we talk about it, the better we'll feel. And then it's not as much of a surprise when you actually get to your thirties and then they go, Hey, you can't have kids. And you go, what? Yep. I also think out of my rule book. What are you talking about? I also think, again, I, I hopefully GPs will start to do it, but I think just like someone goes through their, you know, annual checkup, Mm. doing all their blood work. I'm with you. I think a sperm test should be part of that annual physical because things change from year to year. I've heard a lot of crazy things. Oh, you drink caffeine. Does that affect sperm count? I drink energy drinks, like stress, like everything changes from year to year, day to day. Your sperm count now might not be what it is in a year, two, three, four, five years down the line. And if you want to keep having children or going through the, you should, you should be aware as to what's going on with your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find that. 
I find that fascinating. And I, I, I think one of the biggest things that, that guys don't realize too, if they're not into having kids, then talk to your woman because if, if, if it is something they want to do and you're not, you're not ready to commit, then someone needs to make a decision for someone because <laughs> so true because that, that, that clock is ticking guys. And it is ticking, and I tell you, it is louder and louder in their head than you could ever, ever believe. You know, women go through menopause, but us men, oh yeah, we, <laughs> us men, we we don't do that. But that's not necessarily true because sperm counts change. I tell you, we definitely got the better end of the deal. True, <laughs> we got the better end of the deal. And we don't have to push the babies out. Oh, word. And then they think of the injections and the drugs. And the, and then they've got to push this thing the size of a watermelon out. And you just like... I don't know how just, they do it. Yeah. How did they, how did they do this when the big fella's upstairs and they're, and, they're, and, and, they're, and they're dishing out the cards and they go, hey, you have this one. And why don't you have a heap of that? And and uh, he, but, oh my, it is just you just can't you just can't comprehend. Would there be any before I let you get some sleep because you are eight yeah. hours ahead of me now, so it's yeah, probably yeah. getting late by you, it's almost ten thirty. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your top tips, pieces of advice to guys going through yeah. the yeah. fertility journey and process? And then, in addition. After that, if you could tell us where we can get a copy of your new book, how we yes. can get, get it, and uh, so people can can be helped and, and learn more about your journey and help yeah. others through it. Yeah, so what was the first, first part? Tips, tips. Okay, the big one for guys, don't wait. If you're thinking about the fact you may have issues, then go and get tested. Even if infertility isn't a part of the thing, go and get tested. Get a blood test. Go and get a semen analysis. Get yourself checked out. Have a baseline, and then you know what's going on. If there are things, go, if there are things amiss, you, there, there's so much technology these days that it can actually get. You, you may be able to adjust a few lifestyle conditions because a lot of lifestyle conditions or choices affect your ability to make sperm or make quality sperm. So if you can, if you think, if you find out this, this, this test goes, Oh, well, you've got this. And they go, Oh, well, we might join up that tube and do that. And we find, and then things are working by the time you meet the partner that you, you've dreamt of so many times. So my biggest one is don't wait. Um, baby making meetups, call them whatever you want. It is literally, literally a time where you and your partner or your significant other can actually have your chat around infertility, which will remove the pressure outside of that. And you can actually be a normal couple. Well, when I say that, I'm like normal couple in infertility. Um, your choose your friends wisely on this journey. You'll be very surprised about who will actually pop up for you and 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 give you the support you you need. But obviously, you have to be in a position to be able to see those people sometimes because it's really hard when you've got your head in the in the trenches of IVF. 
There are a couple of big ones, I think. I think, yes. And the man's guide to infertility. We've got a copy. We've got it. We've got it. We literally did. It, it's going to be available on Amazon or all the major, major online, online stores. Um, it will be in ebook or it is in ebook and audiobook as well. We have taken our time. We've talked about it a lot and we're like, man, we are, we are there and we're very proud of what we've produced and we do feel that it, it takes into account all the people walking through this, this, this quagmire, um, of infertility. For sure. John, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your story and insights and tips. Guys, remember, you are not alone. No. You are not alone. Be strong. Talk about it. If you need help going through it, we're here for you. There's resources out there for you. Men, this is for you too. It's not just about the woman through this journey. Remember that. Yeah. You've just listened to another great episode of Men Talk with Daniel Landau. If you've suffered from miscarriage, infertility, stillbirth, or infant loss and want to open up about it, reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. You can also join our Facebook group, or if you'd like to get involved and start a chapter in your neighborhood, visit our website, www.menshelpline.org today. Until next week, stay strong, and remember, you're not alone.